right, ladies and gentlemen, YouTube and elsewhere, back at it here with a 50-piece of nuggets from Chick-fil-A for y'all. And a bunch of these, a bunch of these, uh, you know, a uh, bunch of these hot takes and whatnot. But uh, I don't know. It's not much to be disagreed on at this point. You know, we got a new champion in the league. Oh, there you go, Chris. Just a little bit. Just in time, I would say. What's up, Chris? Man, you know what it is. All right, man. Just in time to mess up the intro, but that's all right. I ain't that much anyway, but I, I said we got the we got these fifty piece nuggets from Chick Fil A for them. That's what you know. That's what we got. And um, yeah, this is uh, uh, the start of a new day in the NBA. We're coming to you uh, the night after the Bucks have claimed the throne. The first time in fifty years, seventy one was the last time that uh, the, uh, the the basketball world revolved around our neighbors to the north, uh, just about ninety minutes away. And uh, yeah, it's, we'll, we'll talk about living in the shadow of those guys in a little bit, uh, among other things. But uh, you know, I think right now, it's just a you know pretty overall good story. There's nothing really to hate on with this. You know, the Bucks went out and took it. Giannis, more specifically, went out and took it. Really laid claim to his, uh, you know, his, you know, he, he and, and the thing is, he probably wouldn't even argue about him being the best player in the league. I think a couple of uh, series ago, he he plainly said that KD was the best player in the league. He didn't say have any trouble saying that. But the thing about Giannis is, you know, it, he knows this. I, uh, I sort of referenced this on Monday too. This famous, you know, it's becoming famous. Uh, his words before Game Five, he's talking about living in the moment and you know ego and everything like that. He does. He really is the rare NBA star that, by his actions, we see really is living egoless, and he's really, you know, just almost like you know he. he you know, sort of corny to classify as a big kid, but he really is a guy who has come from nothing. Like we say, brothers come from nothing all the time. He literally came from nothing, worked his ass off, and molded himself into something that is really, uh, you know, not only of the now, but kind of, you know, uh, pro of a pro a project. Uh, you know, something that's projecting into the future of the NBA, like something that we've never seen before at certain points. But, uh, you know, his 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 fervor, his energy, his will is his willingness to to really shut down the opponent at the time when it, it looked like he had him. Chris, I think you may mention of it on Twitter last night. Like it was it was very Mike like, you know, the fact that there wasn't going to be no seventh game in this series. A lot of people wanted to see a seventh game for one, one reason or another. They were rooting for the Suns or rooting for Chris Paul or just rooting for more basketball. But Johnny said, no, nah, we got this series, man, and we're going to shut it down and we're going to do it in front of our, our crazy fans 
uh, you know, in, in southeast Wisconsin, man. They was it seemed like everybody within <laughs> that section of the state was there to celebrate. And it was it was pretty awesome. Like, like I said, I, I was rooting I was kind of rooting for the Bucks. I wasn't rooting as hard as Chance was, but you know, I was <laughs> I was <laughs> I, you know, I, I have a bit of my heart in, in Wisconsin, so, you know, I, I, I feel real good for uh, the people up there who are celebrating, who waited, you know, most, if not all of their lives to see a champion up there again, who never got the chance to see Lou Alcindor dominate for them. This has been the next coming, the, a, a, a true legend in the making. And uh, he established himself once and for all uh, last night in, in this series. And now now uh, the, the rain is we'll, – we'll talk about it again uh, with Brandon uh, – or our man Brandon Pope in a few minutes as he comes on. But uh, possibly now the rain of Giannis over the league, but it's definitely the rain of the Bucks right now. They got the title. And uh, what you guys think about that? I mean, fantastic. Exactly. You got it, Josh. Nah, you, you said the words that's going to come out of, my, out of my mouth, for real. It, it really is fantastic. And it's such a great thing for the league because um, it, it fits the ideal new narrative of the NBA, right? Um, from an international perspective, from a global perspective, from a small market perspective, um, it gives hope to these scenarios and situations that many people have doubted the league can actually excel in. Um, when you talk about the fact that a small market team will have, have the hardest trouble of getting the talent needed to win championships. Or when you talk about um, keeping that superstar talent in that small market, and you talk about how internationally, an international player cannot be the face of the NBA um and things of that sort like all these different narratives this series and this championship alone pretty much debunked all of those narratives and created a new uh, or added to a new trend of where the nba is going um we talked about how the toronto raptors when Kawhi leonard won the championship with, with the raptors how the raptors really helped bring this bring the international component of the league full circle and how the league itself is trying to expand and expand even more into the international realm and mean be more of a global brand. Now you have the Greek freak coming from Greece to America and winning a championship with a small market team that many have said, including me, uh, you may want to go somewhere else to win because I don't, I couldn't trust him as the number one guy to be the Batman for a small market team in a championship team. Um, and he, completely flipped that script and and show and took advantage of the opportunity that's given to them. So um, this is great for the league. Um, and overall, I just hope and wonder if this also sets a new trend now for more loyal guys like a Damian Lillard to actually want to stay with their small market franchises and say, you know what, if the bus can do it, uh, we can too. Um, from a loyal superstar perspective. You wonder if that could actually increases those chances or, or those odds um, in the near future. But overall, it's great for the league and it's great for the NBA, great for the city of Milwaukee um, and that franchise as a whole to have to have this moment. They deserve it. I, uh, Chris, I'll let you go on in a second, but just to, to ride off that, like you mentioned as a trend, like I just 
I don't think it should be a trend either way. Like I think it should this once and for all should settle the settle the 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 fact or the the opinion of that you know you have to do it the LeBron way now, the super team way now, where you're almost you know putting yourself up for highest bidder at at the you know at the end of every contract, end of every four years or so or less, depending on how you play. And this this whole way of doing it, this extra uh, you know cautious, not this extra calculating way of doing it that LeBron sort of beset upon the league in the past ten years. You know, I think everybody people begin to think that that's the only way you should go about things if you're a player of elite caliber in the league. And like going back again to like like you say, Josh, the decisions that were made in late. 2020, you know, some may ridicule them at the moment because they were like, oh, Milwaukee ain't about to win no title and they they do enough to bring talent around them and, you know, this and that. You know, we just always, it's it's sort of like the the quote that uh, Rudy Tomjanovich made famous, never discount the heart of a champion. We just didn't know that that heart lied within uh, Giannis yet, and I think he was waiting, and he was anticipating the moment to make that make himself known that he was a champion. And when he got to that point in this series, he proved it. So you know, again, just to wrap up this quick point, it's not just one way to do things. It's not just the LeBron way to do things. And there's never going to be a player who stays with a team for 20 years again like Kobe did, or for you know, travel championships like Mike did. But, you know, you can you can start off with the team no matter what, you know, mid, uh, or, you know, whatever level they are as a city or as a franchise, you can start with that team and exert, exude patience and, and, you know, be a true collaborator with your team instead of just being a diva and demanding this and that. And, you know, just work and, and – Find within yourself that extra thing that allows you to get over the hump. It's not just about, like I say, getting an AAU type all star squad around you and then riding the wave. It's in the end, if if you're a real champion in the league, if you're gonna be a real champion in the NBA, you got to exert something in yourself that you don't that you may not even know you have at some point and show that to the world. And that's that's what the true champions do in the NBA. I'm, in my opinion. Uh, first, my first things first, at, to this point forward, Kyle, we got to get his name right. Real G is moving silence like Giannis. <laughs> got to get his name right. Giannis Anadokounmpo is an NBA champion. And to, to kind of jumping off of what, what you were getting at, not necessarily that I agree with everything there, because there's something more uh, deep in, in terms of of uh, labor and who controls the direction that the league but, yeah, goes. I'm, I'm not saying anything about letting go of freedom for players. I'm all about player freedom and the freedom to move. I'm just saying what we was asking of 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 Giannis, of Giannis, uh, and you know. Uh, what we was asking of him was simply to give up on this experiment or give up on not even 
to him it wasn't an experiment. To him it was home. He found his home in Milwaukee and with the Bucks. And he wasn't ready. He wasn't. He had no reason to give up on it. And everybody around, everybody in the world of basketball was like, "No, this is not how you do things. You as soon as you hit a wall, you bail out and you make your and you make your move. You make that. You know, L.A. is waiting on you. You know, you, you know, uh, Brooklyn is waiting on you. Whatever teams is out there, they're waiting on you. You know, make that move and get your title with with such and such and whoever." But he was, but he didn't. He didn't think that way, and that's what I'm saying. He thought in a more classical way, and we can't forget that that is a way to win titles as well. That is the that is in a lot of ways the the uh, ideal way if you are a player of Giannis's stature. You know, if you are that dude, you should be able to do that on your own. You should be able to do what he did in this series. And uh, like I say, establish yourself as a champion. Understood. I think the the deeper thing is is not only from Milwaukee, who somebody posted the photo from last season where the Bucks were in their um, all black t shirts, explaining why they wouldn't be playing that day. That they were all Milwaukee already had a champion from that point on, which you can't forget about that. We we just can't. But uh, for a city and a team to be you know, overlooked in such a way as the Bucks have been in their past uh, in favor of Wisconsin's team being the Packers or the University of Wisconsin, uh, whether it's football or basketball, is striking, or, or hockey even. Um, I, I know personally some, some cats that my best friend went to school with at uh, University of Wisconsin up in Madison, and they're Bucks fans. Not all of them are from Milwaukee. Um, not all of them are even from around uh, the area, Kenosha, Racine, um, you know, Greenfield, all the, the, the towns out in the suburbs out there. But they were true Bucks fans. And uh, some of those guys have been true Bucks fans going back to the person Ilyasova days, Michael Red, Andrew Bogut days back then. But when you see mainstream mass media depictions of Milwaukee or Wisconsin, the Bucks don't really get talked about that much. They as when they got Giannis, things changed. When they got Brandon Jennings, things changed. They were on the map, but it was mostly almost as a punchline. That Bucks and Six was a punchline to everybody but Bucks fans for a long time. Because I just now heard about it as this playoffs wore on. And and I honestly didn't know until somebody posted the Doctor Strange meme from Avengers. And said Brandon put Brandon Jennings on, and I was like, "What are y'all even talking about?" So, not only did he believe when there was no reason to, they did the same thing, and so that lends itself to the narrative of sports in itself. And if you didn't even have that, you have Giannis who emigrated to immigrated to Greece with his family at a time where they did not want him there, they did not want his family there. He and his brothers hustled to make it however they could. He and his parents did the same thing. And he wasn't really Greek until he started putting up buckets for the national teams over there. And then, then they embraced And I got this firsthand knowledge from a dude I worked with who was actually Greek. And I couldn't, you know, I, I he had a photo. So I'll take him at his word that he played hoops with, with Giannis when they were both a lot younger. And he straight up said, it's like, yeah, I mean, he was cool. But like the coaches and then the people who were over there were not messing with him until he started getting 
until they saw the potential that he had to elevate their national basketball team. So that in itself makes this one of the best stories of the year. And the fact that that loyalty that he had not only for his team, but the city around his team, who are of so many different colors and backgrounds, you know, Milwaukee, Kyle, you have more experience. You were you worked up in Stevens Point, and you, I think you spent some more, much more time up there than I have. Milwaukee's different. It's not, you know, it's not that Wisconsin you see in a Lionel Kugel's commercial. It's different. And that was on full display last night. I it's it's hard to put into words after that. It's hard to put into more articulate words, but I, I think just the fact that. When you, when you boil it down, a 59% free throw shooter hit 16 or 17, 17 from the line and put up 50 points in a game that his team, I, I think, absolutely needed. Not that the Bucks would have lost if they went back to Phoenix or that Devin Booker would have shot better than he did if they went back to Phoenix. But when you have a chance to close out at home especially, you take it. And whatever he needed in that moment, once it got down to it, he took it. He wasn't afraid to go to the line. He wasn't afraid to go to the basket. He wasn't afraid to pass out of double and triple teams. He trusted that Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and our man Bobby Portis would make the right decisions, and they did. And and to, to your point, Kyle, then that's what makes that um, – a great championship in NBA history, probably one of the best since that 04 Pistons team. That was a team championship. They had a they had a star. They had a supernova star with Giannis, unlike that Pistons team. But this was a a team championship. I think from just about from from day one, it was it was incredible. So many of the benchmarks of great NBA championship teams where. Like I say, the, the supernova performance, the critical, uh, you know, bench performances or role-playing performances that you yeah, that one player out of nowhere, sort of Bobby sort of fit that role where he, he just was all a ball of energy in a lot of ways, but also very skillful and able to uh, execute in some critical plays. Like It, it, it just was uh, so many great things to come out of. This this series in that game, but let me get our guest on for the night, man. I, I asked him to get on. He, he's one of the busiest brothers in in journalism in Chicago. But uh, we we very much appreciate our man Brandon Pope from uh, WCIU doing his thing with Ebony. All types of big interviews and got you know pampered out in Vegas. We're gonna talk to him about that. Uh, you know, the big three pampering them and stuff. I'm, I'm like, man, what do you do that? <laughs> also, the, uh, the, the, the prayers of the local uh, chapter, Chicago chapter, the NABJ doing a great job with that as well. Uh, uh, thank you, man, for coming on. Uh, glad to have you on. First time running. Hey, happy to be here, man. Always great talking to you, talking to everybody here. And, yeah, let's 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 get it cracking, man. Uh I'm finally rusted up from Vegas. Pacific time, 
It can it can kick you. Well, in. You, went, you went to you went up to Milwaukee too last night, didn't you? Yeah, that too. Just, yeah, that I will say that was my first time ever being. That's my first time ever being in Milwaukee. Um, it was fun, I guess, um, <laughs> but it is it is definitely a lower tier Midwest city. Like I don't know why people hype up Milwaukee so much. No offense well, to Milwaukeeans, but <laughs> I call it Ooh. I call it uh, I call it sort of little Chicago. I don't know if you would compare. <laughs> in Chicago. Now, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying in I'm saying in a way that there's sort of certain ways that it's laid out, but just certain things that is offered just a lesser version of what we have here. But well, yeah, they have the big lake like we yeah. do. But I mean, yeah. it, it's like it's such a great value lakefront. It's 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 tacky. You know, I I don't know. I don't want to go in on Milwaukee, but. I was unimpressed by the city itself. I, like Indianapolis oh, is better, Minneapolis is better, Cincinnati. Oh, wow. There's so many better cities in the Midwest than Milwaukee. Um, Indianapolis? Yes. <laughs> yes. Indy's better. Oh. I don't know. I you, you I would say I would say go back up there for Summerfest. And, but the the, mm. the the tough thing though is that Summerfest isn't where it typically is, but they they they're trying some things this year. They got Chappelle up there and stuff, so it's it should be uh yeah, Chappelle gonna be doing the show up there. So I would oh. I would say try when they really have something going on. Like yesterday was all about the Bucks and everything. I saw you had a couple of video folks going wild in the streets. So it was more of a concentrated thing. But I you know, I I I say I I got love for Milwaukee there. I never I never stayed there, but I've been I've had some nights there and stuff. Yes, yeah, I. Right. You know, I. I'm happy for them. I'm very happy for them, and uh, wish them the best. But yeah. Well, keep it on the court, man. Since you ain't giving them no props as a municipality, you know what? What was your What was your observations or your what, your major takeaways from the game and everything? Man, I mean, the major takeaway was just how physical the Bucks are. This was a. This was what. I kind of expected out of the Bucks in terms of like when they had the matchup with the Nets and when they had the matchup with all these teams, like you expect them to be the more physical team. They got Giannis there, Drew Holiday on CP3, bullying the guy, like just bullying him. He's bigger, he's stronger. Um, what a pickup that was. And so for it all to coalesce into a championship, I mean, people are going to make their caveats and asterisks about, oh, well, the Nets were injured. Oh, but. You know, the Lakers were injured. Oh, this and that. But, everybody was injured. In the, in, in the end, you got to take advantage of what you got. Winning a championship's not easy. And the way Giannis did it was incredible. 50 points, 50 and 10. Like, wow. Any doubt that people have about Giannis' ability to elevate to that type of level has to be gone at this point. And I was one of those people who was saying, eh, he ain't all that yet, you know. I still and I still don't think he deserved those two MVPs, but he lived up to it in that game. He lived up I, to it. Uh, I know your opinion on the MVP as a whole, so that's, oh, yeah. that's yeah. But but see, that's the thing, though. You know, not to dive into because we can. I know you can go a long way with that, but the thing about the MVP is that you know it is a regular season award which you know, I know you don't accept, 
But <laughs> it's, and I agree with you in some ways that it should be at least a precursor or it should have, it should, someone who wins the MVP should be able to play the same way in the games after they get the MVP. And what you, what you got with Giannis in this, in this playoff run, in this, and in, in particularly in this finals, was that proof that, you know, maybe he didn't deserve both, but he deserved at least one. And, and he deserved he, – well, he deserves his place as a person who can win the MVP. And he deserves his place as, as one of the top-tier guys in the league right now. That's no arguing that. Totally. And, and you he, honestly, he was the most valuable player this season. He should have won MVP, to be honest, this season. Um, okay. I have no issue with – he's definitely a top-five NBA player right now. Like, there's no disputing it at this point, right? It's just that it's it's always silly to me when, you know, they announce the MVP award, like, toward the middle or end of the playoffs, and the person isn't even in the – didn't even make a deep finals run. Like, Giannis won an MVP when he got was getting backed down by Kawhi Leonard, who is smaller than him, shorter than him. It was laughable that Giannis won the MVP that year when you're getting boxed up by Kawhi Leonard. It, it didn't make any sense. It was incongruous. Same for, like, James Harden winning the MVP of the year he did. Uh, eight points <laughs> in the final game. Like, come on, bro. You're the most valuable yeah, player. That's happened. That's happened. That was Westbrook, when he won, they were an eight seed. Come on. <laughs> the truth that's, is, that's the most valuable player that's, has been Steph, KD, and LeBron throughout that, that whole entire period. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, but again, it's like it's a regular season award. I, I, I think they should do, I think they should do like the NHL do and have, does, and have the postseason MVP award as well. They could have a whole postseason MVP award. So, you know, you, you make it separate. And they, they draw, they draw out those, the announce, they don't have to wait as long as they do for the announce. They could announce the award before the playoffs. That would so help. They draw it out for drama. And, and, they, and it was effective in the 90s when players routinely did at least make the, the the conference finals. And you could have, like, typically they would probably do it in the second round, but they would have the uh, announcement and the presentation in front of the crowd in your home, you know, in your home stadium before a playoff game. So, you could, you know, Jordan could get the award and then drop. 40 on the Knicks that night and then he could be and you could be like oh, okay that's that dude he deserved that award but it's it's harder when you're like Dirk and you're getting the award at a conference you know it, you know after you lost to uh you know the the Warriors in the first round so yeah there there definitely been those instances where you know it's been uh you know uh it is that it, the, the postseason hasn't worked. It's been anticlimactic, but like I said, you know, I, and I know I've seen other people come at you as well, Cam Smith and others. Like, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a regular season award. It's really All these people that about. probably tattletailed when the teacher, when the substitute teacher was in and was talking about how uh, you guys have homework. Yeah, we did. That, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> it's obviously a regular season award. Like, no one's disputing that it's a regular season award. The argument is it shouldn't be. 
it's 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 silly at this point, and the, it needs to be reformed. So so you no, that's uh, not good. That, nobody's going to do that, though. right? And, and that's what I'm saying. Like that's not going to happen either. But it's the only MVP <laughs> award of all the leagues where you literally will have an MVP who doesn't even do anything in the postseason. Like it, you don't see that in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, t- there are times it's, it's not always happened though. But there, yeah, there are times where it happens a lot <laughs> we nowadays. We've been hyperbolic. And the reason why it happens more nowadays is because the awards become more of a media narrative award and not truly an MVP award. Mike Trout would like a word with you, too. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. see, baseball, that's really – like, you look at baseball, that's probably sure. more ineffective MVPs in baseball than way more Just by circumstance. Yeah. yeah, like A-Rod. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, so, yeah, I mean, baseball. Yeah. But, but that, hey, you know, hey, but, yeah. <laughs> let's get back hey, on board. It's a constant thing. I, yeah. But hey, Giannis is top five elite type of player, and the yeah. best part is he's only twenty six. Meaning, yeah. wow, if this man gets a jump shot like a, a twelve footer or something, oh, he's gonna score sixty a game, seventy a game. Who's gonna stop him? Come on, yeah. I can't wait. And I think I that's, a, that's a big part of his story too: his ability and his willingness to improve on himself because if, if he didn't if he if he hadn't improved on his game if he was more stubborn like a Ben Simmons or something he would not be at he would not be getting 50 points in a closeout game uh to win a championship you know some players you know it's like the I, I don't know if we should go into this the hoopers versus ball players yeah. that, that broke on on Twitter this week as well but it's like you know, there's a there's something extra that's there for guys who you know for the for those ball players who can work with these systems, but they they also have something extra. They're not just out there in the in their old lives, you know, just like what's up, what's up? Let's run one, you know. We that's mm-hmm. the show. We we run one because we don't have much skill. We could just talk, but you know, but but you know that's who we are, you know, but. If you out there and you trying to be an all-time great, you trying to be an all-time dude, you got to be beyond that. You got to be a little bit more than that. And notice we're seeing a disparity in the NBA now. I, I think this has happened over time. As you have the one-and-dones happening with our American athletes, you have these EuroLeague players and players from overseas who they've been playing basically pro ball since they were 16. <laughs> Whereas, you know, a guy like Ben Simmons was on LSU uh, – didn't even take his team to the tournament. We may have overinflated him. And he gets to the Sixers, and we expect the same work ethic and drive and mentality when, really, these guys just built different. Luka, Giannis, uh, Jokic, all these guys just kind of built a little bit different. There's like a, an edge there, right? And they're going to work. They're going to hustle. And I want our other guys to step up to get to that level. We need Anthony Davis to step up and and get work out in the offseason and improve. We need we – need, Ben Simmons to there's no reason why he we should still be talking about him not having a shot. If he wants to have a shot, he could have it by now. <laughs> you know? Uh, there's there's um I always wonder about this because when you hear about European basketball versus uh United States basketball, I think the big thing is that they come out of this system born from uh the Cold War times where coaches are like gods over there. Like you listen to the coach. And that was it. And, you know, it's not like over here where the coach uh, from the 60s or maybe the 70s on 
was the dude making less money than the star player. And so he was at a disadvantage in that, in that respect. I don't think that's the whole thing because you can't, you can't teach work ethic. There's gotta be something else that goes into it too. Um, like with, with Giannis, it's easy to point to, like I said before, you come up as hard as he did and in the environment that he was in where they weren't really messing with him in Greece until he got to be like 6'10", 6'11". That's going to put the iron in your back. Um, with Doncic and Jokic, you could assume that even though they're younger than we are, that they were still coming out of that environment post-Soviet uh, uh, Union. And there's like you're dealing with real stuff on a daily basis. And so I, that's that's an, that's conjecture, right? Maybe not every guy who comes from from um, Europe is is going to go at it hard every single day. But I think that's something that you you know you in in that respect you can't you can't put Ben Simmons in that environment. There's no way to to replicate that. Is it's got to be on him or it's not? Well, we may have been unfair to Ben Simmons. I, I think. The problem we're having with Ben Simmons is I, I think he's being he's being pushed into a box that he doesn't want to be in and that he can't be in. Um, it was obvious he couldn't shoot at LSU. <laughs> uh, it, like uh, it was very obvious, and he still did his thing because he played within the style he plays. Um, if you coach around that style, he could probably be more effective. If you don't expect him to be an offensive type of point guard slash forward, everything type of guy. Uh, he just needs to develop some post area moves and work on that interior game. Maybe not even try to learn how to shoot, but just focus on being a good, he's already a great defender, right? Uh, just focus on that and the fundamentals of creating offense for that defense. Obviously that's not superstar type of stuff. That's not top five player, top 10 player type of stuff. Um, but it is effective type of stuff. It's the type of thing that if he gets traded to the Blazers, he could elevate there and help that team out, right? It's, it's the type of thing where you can fit in, plug in, and really impact a team. And I just feel like what's happened so far in Philly for him and throughout his career since college is he's been, he's been put in this box that he just does not fit into. We expect him to fit into it, and he just can't do it. And, you Josh, know, that's, that's unfair to him. Josh, do you think it's a lesson that could be – taken from Giannis where Giannis may still not, if it, for some people, not be the player that they want him to be just because of a stylistic thing. Like, you know, some some people may look at guys who are seven, 6'11 or 7 foot nowadays and say, why aren't you Kevin Durant? So we, so Steve, people still may want Giannis to have that long range ability. But Giannis has still maximized the, the elements of his game where he's, you know, where he's obviously freakish to, uh, to, you know, to still a term. And he's allowed that to put himself at a championship level while also, you know, he, he's not Ben Simmons in the way that Ben is like afraid to shoot, but Giannis is at least willing to shoot at specific times to get certain reactions out of defense. So, you know, I say all that, to, like I say, is there a lesson that could be learned with Ben where, you know, I just have to take a little bit more risk on the court while also ex try ex ex accentuating the positive, as it were, accentuating the things that make me a special player, that make me a special prospect, 
and just taking that to new heights. Is, is that do you think that could be the case with Ben, or is it just you know he got to get the hell out of Philly or something? A combination. Um, I think it's a, I definitely think it's a combination. I mean, at the end of the day, you are who you are. We've had four or five years of Ben Simmons playing consistent basketball, and he's demonstrated every year he's not shooting the ball, and he would not look to shoot the ball. That's his skill set. So he's focused on being a primary defender, an elite defender, as well as a facilitator. That's what he's known for and being able to rebound and be versatile on, especially on defensive end, when you're guarding more than one position, right? He, that's his skill set. That's who he is. Um, yes, he can learn from Giannis and expand his horizon a little bit in the way that he can be comfortable, but you have to have a growth mentality as well. And that's something that, in this specific scenario, we have not seen. Um, people often say you are the product of your environment, but how do you grow within your own environment? That's that's really the question you have to uh, consider because look who he's around. He's around Clutch Sports. What's 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 the what's known within Clutch Sports? LeBron, Anthony Davis. You know he have, he's around guys that you know fit some of the narratives that's that's related to him, but also he's around greatness on a consistent basis. And he's seen the work ethic that LeBron puts in. He's seen what other guys have done to improve their skill sets in their games. So if he's part of this environment where he has that access 24 seven, but he's not using it, that shows you that you have to be more than just a product of your environment. You have to be your own product within that environment itself. You have to build on that. He hasn't been able to do that in that, in that, in this situation. So it's unfair to put that title on him when quite frankly, he's shown who he really is, no matter what you put him in, no matter what situation you put him in. So it's a lesson he can learn, but do I think he's going to actually learn that lesson? No, because he already showed, he already showed and demonstrated what his true skill sets is, no matter what situation you put him in and no matter who you put around him. Okay. I, I, I want to, this conversation, this part of the conversation started off with sort of a sizing up of the of USA players against uh, you know, other players from other nations. So I, I want to get into the Olympics in a minute, but I, I want to get back to the fallout of the finals. And um, let, let's go over to the Sun side. You know, I think Josh and Chris, you both picked the Suns before the series. You know, I ain't going to get on y'all about that, but, you know, hey, it, it, it's a reasonable pick. And I think most people actually did pick the Suns before the series. And uh, I think I know they were betting favorite. And they jumped out to a 2-0 lead, you know, ended up being a rare team that lost a 2-0 lead in the finals, lost four straight. You know, what do y'all think, you know, uh, and Brandon, you can jump in on this too. I didn't, did you, what, what did you think before the series? Did you think, were you, were you more on the Sun side or the Bucks? I was on the Sun side. I think like most people, I was thinking the Suns are going to win. I had the Suns in seven was my original pick. Okay. And yeah, obviously that did not. <laughs> yeah, they, they could get it back there, you know. But what what do you guys think was, you know, looking at the progression of the series? Like that game four, they really had a chance to lock the series down in that game four, and, and it sort of hinged on that the first of the amazing plays that Giannis made in the series, the block uh, uh, on on Aiden, you know, on the live there, and you know. Uh, they, they ended up pulling it out. They tied the series, and it that was you know, that was sort of the beginning of the end there, unfortunately for them. But there was a lot of other things at at, at hand that factored in, you know, 
Of course, Chris, they play Chris Paul differently across the the the, the remainder of the series. Definitely hassled them more with with uh, Drew Holiday, you know, fronting them so much more intensely over the course of the series. You know, uh, just uh, it's, but it seemed like a lot of the teams just fell back. That a lot of their reserve guys just fell back over the course of the series. And they didn't get the same sort of special efforts from a cam a campaign or a Mikael Bridges or even a, a or even a DeAndre Aiden. Like DeAndre Aiden knows first that especially that first game was was beasting, but it, he by you know, yesterday he really was lost out there. So, you know, in in y'all's opinion, you know, what do you think kept the Suns from taking control of the series and, and getting it? I think they just got worn down. I think they got worn down because the Bucks were so physical in all facets of the court. You're talking about you you expecting Chris Paul and Devin Booker to lead you to the promised land, but they're being guarded by P.J. Tucker and Drew Holiday, who are some big, physical, versatile guys that have been on – that's pretty much been on them 24-7. That's going to affect your game plan a little bit, which has forced you to rely on those reserves and those other starters to make impacts in which they couldn't produce at the rate they needed to produce. So I think that's really what helped really change the narrative of what this series really could be, putting that coaching adjustment to having big, tall, tough, fiscal guys and P.J. Tucker and uh, Drew Holiday exploit their versatility on the backcourt and forcing the frontcourt to do more than what they've been accustomed to doing, especially when Chris Paul and Devin Booker are struggling. And they couldn't get over that hump. I think that's once that adjustment was made, it's pretty much a wrap uh, for the Bucks moving forward, especially when it comes to Giannis still being Giannis um, and Chris Middleton showing up when he needed to show up and Drew Holiday showing up at the right, right moments at the later end of that series. So I think it was just they just got worn down to the point where the physicality, the defensive schemes that they were, that they were playing against, they just couldn't. It was just too much for them on not just the physical, but the mental. You saw how it impacted Chris Paul. How he's having careless turnovers. He's not making the shots he normally would make. Devin Booker, although he came out and killed pretty much 75, 80 percent of the series, there were moments where he couldn't deliver in key moments either. Um, so, you know, it's just a matter of all those components eventually piling up on each other to where it just it all came crashing down at once. Mm. Damn, that's real. You know, you said it perfectly. Physicality, great defense by the Bucks. Like it wasn't as much what Phoenix did wrong; it's what the Bucks did right. You know, uh, yeah. they were especially that game, that game, that game six. Man, they was, woo, they was on Booker. They was on him, swarming him. It was, it was something to. And watch. Booker was still killing. Like Booker. He, he, uh, not, oh, you said game six. I'm talking about, I'm thinking yeah. about game five. Yeah. The series, the game, well, here's what happened, though. This is what really happened for the Suns. They keep the game close. They're going back and forth. And then in those closing moments where you kind of lean on Chris Paul to be that leader, to be that dog, the team would get tight. And that's what happens when you have teams that don't have a lot of postseason experience, championship experience. They were playing smoothly up until the final three minutes of the fourth quarter, four or five minutes of the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden the Suns get a little sloppy. They start trying to finesse a little bit. They maybe try to do an alley-oop here. That doesn't become an alley-oop, and it becomes a turnover. Or, you know, try to 
do a little something here and there, and you lose the ball. And those turn into points for the Bucks, and before you know it, the game is out of reach. Um, that just comes with – that's just growing pain, I feel like. I think that kind of stuff actually helps the Suns going forward in the future, those younger players like a Devin Booker, like DeAndre Aiden, because I saw the youth and inexperience show up right there in those moments because that Bucks physicality, they, got, they, they kept the same intensity throughout four quarters – and it never lapsed, whereas the Suns, they didn't keep that same energy. That's what it really came down to for me. It's, it's hard to drop the line in the NBA. And, you know, the Suns are, are a great story. They, you know, they did a great job in that bubble last year. Went undefeated, the only team to go undefeated in the bubble. But, but you know, they weren't able to play a playoff game, unfortunately. But they showed so much promise, and they got that, you know, that great pickup in Paul. And, you know, much like we were talking before you came on, Brandon, about what we were expecting from uh, Milwaukee at the beginning of the year, nobody was really expecting Milwaukee to match what, you know, uh, potentially Philly could do or Brooklyn could do once they got their big three together. But, you know, they wound up being, you know, outlasting everyone in the East. The Suns, the expectations for the Suns were maybe the playoffs. You know, maybe they would break through now that they got a, a real point guard in Chris Paul. But, you know, they did so much more than that. So they really got to, I think, feel good about themselves. Like you say, feel good about the future. This is their first real playoff run as a unit. Now, we already we got some thirstiness coming from L.A. where they trying to say maybe Chris Paul will join – finally join LeBron, but, you know, I would like to see Chris return to the Suns and give it one more run with that team and, you know, see what y'all can do. See, maybe he can, maybe he can, you know, honestly, well, he beat LeBron this year, you know, maybe he could do it again, you know, honestly, and, and you know, with Davis not, injury not factoring in, or, you know, whatever, you know, but let's see, let's see them do it again as a unit. With Chris Paul and the guy, maybe a little, little more improvement, you know, uh, as far as their reserves in the backcourt. Maybe a, another, uh, a little bit. Even though Kaminsky sort of balled a little bit yesterday, they may need a little bit more coming off of the uh, in the front uh, court rotation more than him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But well, uh, you know yeah. that West is tough, man. That West yeah. is real tough. So it, it is. It if is. I'm the Suns, I do everything I can to keep Chris Paul. And if if, if you don't do that, um, you try to. You tr- I for, I don't. I forgot the contract situation. He still got a year or two left, right? He has a player option. Player and, option. And he's scheduled to get about like forty four million dollars. Uh, it, though. That's why this is so interesting. Yeah, he has, that's what I said. He has the player option. So, so it would be wise for if he want it'd be wise if he wants to stay in Phoenix to decline it and restructure his contract so that they can have more money to bring in some more talent. But if he wants to win a championship, I'm wondering before he retires, is are are the Phoenix Suns the best place to do that right now? Or is that's LA a place he can go to? Can he go to the Lakers? Yeah, who are probably going to get Demar Derozan as well. Um, that team's that team's going to reload. 
You have Chris Paul in there with a healthy LeBron James, who I do not think is done yet. <laughs> Even though the ankle sure injury. Hey, 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 is, people forgot he was an MVP candidate in the regular season before he got injured. Uh, yeah. how, how quickly you forget. You know, we got uh, we got the recency bias going on from a lot of people. So the King is going to be back. Anthony Davis is the question mark. But you know what? You got DeMar DeRozan in there. You got Chris Paul. I'm at the point you trade Anthony Davis. I don't know what you get for him, but yeah. Wow. He's not going to play that much. So <laughs> figure wow. something out with him. Hey. I, I've not heard that. Even, even from the most critical L.A. fans, I have not heard that. Stephen A. Smith been would be very him. proud of you for saying that. Who would? Stephen A. Smith. Oh. Woo. Oh, he would have been very proud. Anthony Davis. I've not been high on him at all his entire career. And it, people kept telling me he's a top five NBA player when he was on the Pelicans. And I'm like, where? What have the Pelicans done? And then he comes to the Lakers, and we see that LeBron literally has to motivate Anthony Davis to play well. He had, he'd have a bad game, LeBron gets in his ear, and then the next game he finally steps up. And it'd be a same back-and-forth roller coaster. He's not self-motivating. And the Lakers got this guy thinking, oh, he's going to be our now and our future. Nah, he's not your future at all because he, 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 he can't lead this team. I can, I can, I can see that. Y'all, the Lakers don't get anything in, in the bubble without him. They really don't. Well, that's true. But, and, but – Anthony Davis doesn't step up. <laughs> like, I'll put it this way. The Lakers would have went farther with just LeBron and no Anthony Davis than with Anthony Davis and no LeBron. If it was just Anthony Davis and no LeBron, they probably wouldn't have even made that made it out the first round because Anthony Davis doesn't have that dog in him. He's not that dude. He's got to have somebody right there to bring that dog out of him, and that's what LeBron does, kind of that mentor kind of like Chris Paul does for these young cats on Phoenix. But Anthony Davis is not self-motivating. When it comes time for him to step up and be that guy, it he's not. He's underwhelming. He, well, he's I, I'll, say, I'll say if if they were to acquire Chris Paul mm-hmm. and have that three, I think they would need all those three together. I, I would not acquire Chris Paul and then, you know, uh, deal out Davis. I don't know what you would get for Davis in, you know, in, in response for that. So mm-hmm. I think the the plan I would think for the Lakers would be to formulate that big three. If you get a Demar Derozan too, that's a that's a great addition to that. I wouldn't call it a big four, but he would be, you know, definitely a, a guy who could. He would help. Uh, yeah, help you out. Creates his own shot. Yeah, and then that would be that would be a team that could definitely probably definitely win the West next year. So hey, look, get Kuzma out of it, out of there. Get Anthony Davis out of there. Make it. Yeah, that would be a, I would deal Kuzma. I'd Package deal. those two, Anthony Davis and Kuzma. Get what you got to get. Even if that's Dame, I don't think Dame's leaving. But you know, hey, get what you got to get for Anthony Davis because I'm, I'm telling you, the Lakers are not. He's not going to take them anywhere, anywhere, with, with the, the way he acted. Even when he's healthy, he's not that good. I, 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 I that's, see, that's that's the thing that really hurts him is the availability, the yeah, he be the, the, the you know the vulnerability, the, the injury, and I, I kind of agree with you that once LeBron officially hangs it up, you don't necessarily want AD to be 
the only guy you got. You want to have a Pelicans. You want to have a Pelicans. or somebody next to him. So they become the Pelicans real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what I could, you know what I would like, and they would need more, but I think would be would be good. You somehow get Chris Paul to Denver, and shift Jamal Murray to the two, mm. and I think they could do some things. Um, you know, it depends on how Murray comes back, mm. but I did not expect that team to get swept out by the Suns the way they did, even without Jamal Murray, mm-hmm. and Jokic is all world. So Chris Paul at this stage of his career can't be that guy who closes out. And we've seen in the past that Jokic can take over a game at the tail end of it from his position. So having Chris Paul in Denver, assuming that they can build with uh, pieces around those three, I would like that. I don't know how far they would go, but I would like that. That's interesting. You could put you could put CP3 on just about any of those contending teams out west and be like, we we good to go. You can put them on Utah. Give, uh, I think because uh, is is yeah, you're free agent. Mm. Swapping with Kyle. I mean, you know they got uh, uh, you know they got a he got a banana boat buddy in in Utah too with uh, Wade Mm. as the owner. So you know he could. You know, that could be a competition there between Wade and LeBron. Like, hey, come over to my side, you know. We got a team here that could, that's ready to win right now. So yeah, NBA trade machine going in my head right now. Because now I'm like, a, okay. That's some, yeah, that's some interesting. You, you can never world. believe that thing, though. Because now – well, of course not, yeah. But now I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, so you, <laughs> you sign Chris Paul. Then you trade Chris Paul to the Blazers for C.J. McCollum. Uh, Blazers get a really good player. And then maybe the Blazers pick up DeMar DeRozan. And all of a sudden, that Damian Lillard has a, a contending little team there in Portland. Who knows? It's not going to happen. But who knows? I was about to say. <laughs> I mean, LA. I mean, LA in general. They just want a point guard in general. They're willing to take anybody. I mean, there's reports going out there that they're willing to get Russ. They're willing to trade to get to get Russ. They're willing the to the Lakers. Yeah. Um, oh God, Russell yeah. Westbrook. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And you know, and let's not forget about the Clippers too, because the clip the Clippers are gonna be in the market for yeah, yeah, so I I don't know, like like this it's gonna be some funny stuff out in the West, man. It's, you know, those those teams are desperate now, and I think especially after what happened this year, you know, they they like, man, all hands on deck. The Lakers, Clippers, you know, Portland, Utah, Denver. They all need to be like, look, this is a time to put it in, put all those chips in. And Win then, now. Yeah, let's get some. The Nets so, are coming. Yeah, we'll, so are the Warriors. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yep. Yeah, we, I want to get to a couple of the special segments that we're going to do with you, Brandon, before uh, the top of the hour here, man. Uh, first off, you know, I, and, and this would have been good too with our guy. Um, uh, uh, I got Drew, who who I know has seen the movie, but Josh, you seen Space Jam too, right? Yeah. Okay, Chris, have you seen it? Are you interested? I, I have not watched it yet, I I, and I haven't seen it either yet. But I kind of, I mean, you kind of know what it is. But I think I, I I just wanted to bring Brandon in because I know he's one of the most fervent LeBron backers I know, <laughs> and and he's also a film, you know. I don't know if that's a film critic, but you you on the scene, you know, you get to 
watch the, uh, you, you know, you get to the, the screeners and everything and, you know, you interview a lot of uh, filmmakers and stuff. So, you know, you, you're not a person who, you have a discerning taste in film. And, uh, you know, let's just, let's just have it, man. What, what are your thoughts on the movie? And, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll, we'll go into a bit of the the discourse around the movie, but overall, just straight up as a movie, what were your thoughts on it? And, what, and you know, was this a worthy a work or a worthwhile project for LeBron? And you know, at this point in his career, well, absolutely, it's a worthwhile project, especially with the box office numbers and the merchandise. Yeah, numbers. that's that's that, yeah. I mean, Kind of ignoring that. The, the money, it brought in a lot of money. So, yeah. Brought in a lot of money, took down a Marvel film. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't projected to do that, but it did it pretty easily, um, shattering expectations. And then, you know, kids love this. I mean, I got high school students that I teach journalism to who love Space Jam too. Okay. But honestly, it comes down to this it's a movie, it's a family movie. It's more so for the teens and the younger kids and, you know, it's supposed to appeal to them with the neon colors and the music and the, the TikTok and that generation, right? So those of us who are not yeah, those of us who aren't of that generation are naturally going to kind of turn our nose up at it. Just like my mom when she took me to Pokemon the first movie with Mewtwo, turned her nose up at that because she thought it was terrible and I thought it was the greatest thing to ever happen to <laughs> But I was a kid. So, you know, I, I, I think people got to come into it with the with the general idea and agreement that this is not going to win an Oscar. Space Jam 1 was not a cinematic masterpiece, objectively. No, it wasn't. It was, it was literally a flash-in-the-pan, nostalgic cult success. It got panned by critics when it first came out. If you look at that Rotten Tomatoes score, it's still rotten. <laughs> but we love it. Our generation loved it. And we're the ones that kept it going. And that's what's going to be the defining thing for this new Space Jam. Okay, um, now, I okay, going back to the first one, the first movie was made essentially because of the pairing of Bugs and Jordan mm -hmm. commercially. They were in commercials. Mm -hmm. And there was a there was a bug the bugs uh, version of uh, I forget which Jordan sneaker it was but the that uh, that came out and it, Chris you remember it was maybe like the five yeah, I think it was the six six okay the six yeah, or was, seven there was a bug bunny version that came out and that was hot seller of course so and at the time the Looney Tunes were sort of in the background like it, it was a changing thing with kids. Uh, cartoons at that time, they were getting more grittier or in your face, and the and the Looney Tunes were less in vogue at that point. So they put them they put them together with the preeminent athlete of the time, and they made a little silly movie about it. And yeah, we all laid it up. I was like, I was twelve when it came out, so I was just on the verge of getting off of that stuff. But it still had my man Mike in it, so I you know I love it and the and the soundtrack and everything. It it fed into all the stuff that the mid '90s offered, that you know that was sort of hard to argue with, even though it was filler. It was filler and fluff. But uh, I think when I looked at a lot, when I read a lot of the reviews for this one, I think a lot of people accept that it's just an updated version of that same formula. But it sort of goes deeper into a lot of ways with the use of 
overall IP with uh, Warner Brothers, and there's this expanding of the formula that a lot of people weren't necessarily comfortable with because you having these like references to these other movies and stuff that are you know over the top. They seem to be over the top or just like bewildering or like I don't know. What were your thoughts? I, I want to get your thoughts on that. Like just having. Game of Thrones stuff in it, or uh, you know the joke Joker uh, versions of the Joker in it, and so yeah. like, what were your thoughts on that? And, and what do you think that's uh, you know, even if even if it's like even if you you understand that there's a certain the the movie's only gonna have a certain amount of value to it as a artistic statement that just really exploiting all this Warner Brothers IP is. You know, maybe another area where we should like be a little critical about that. Eh, I guess. I mean, that's it. IP is the name of the game nowadays. I mean, it's it's, it's the way it is. I um I enjoyed the references. I thought it was I thought it was fun. There were some that were kind of weird and off the wall, and I get why people didn't like them or had issue with them. Game of Thrones, you know, uh, is a violent show with you know. They had the clockwork orange guys in there. Yeah, exactly. Weird yeah. Choice. Yeah. That was a weird choice. Yeah. Um, but the only answer to why they would do that is because they want to appeal to the adults who they know are watching as well, who grew up watching Space Jam and are watching this begrudgingly because their kids want to watch it. Like that, that's really the only reason and and to show off to flex the IP, to flex that we're Warner Brothers and here's all that we got. Um, right, watch it on HBO Max. <laughs> right yeah. after you watch this. Honestly, I think, it's, I think it's better than what they could have done, which was follow the same exact formula of the original mm-hmm. Space Jam and have sure. it only be Looney Tunes. Then you kind of get into like, uh, it's just a copycat. It's like what happened with that new Star Wars film. It felt like a same. The Force Awakens felt yeah, like a new hope, and it felt yeah, like just yeah, taking yeah. the same formula. So this one at least changes that somewhat and gives you a bigger world to play in, a bigger sandbox to play in. There's a scene where Bugs Bunny and LeBron and Daffy are uh, in Metropolis or Gotham or somewhere, and the DC superheroes are involved, and it's a it's a fun thing, right? That's a different sandbox, and it's a fun sandbox to play in. Um, there's one where they're in Casablanca, I think. Like they, they they go around and do some really some some things that make you laugh. And I, for as the adults in the room, I was with another person as an adult. We had a good time. We we laughed out loud at some things, and they make some jokes in the movie, like the first one did, about basketball, sports references, uh, kind of poking fun at LeBron or poking fun at the title character. You know, I think this is a thing you just go in with vibes. You just have a good time with it. I didn't go into well, it trying to tear it, tear it apart. That's kind of a thing. Like I remember that um, Shrek did. That's why Shrek got so much love is because it was like dually for the kids with being right. an animated movie. And then there were all the kind of sly in-jokes that people got over a certain age. And I remember talking about that, like, yo, Shrek had some hidden gems in it. And when you said it, like, even though I haven't watched the movie, that's exactly what I thought of. Yeah, but the film overall was, the, it, it was it's, it's, this is the generational staple. That's pretty much what this was. Um, Space Jam for us 
I, I was born, you know, I was born '94, so when they came out in '96, you know, I still had a chance to, you know, watch the first Space Jam in the prime per se, somewhere in the prime stages. Um, but um, I'm young to be on the younger side of things as an adult and watch and watch it the way I did. I, I, I thought it was a great ideal movie for this upcoming generation to see and be so relatable with. Um, and in a way, it, it added a new component to LeBron from a legacy perspective, from the creativity side of things. Um, you know, people question whether Jordan can act if this and Jordan, you know, how, and how well he can do within a movie's perspective. You know, LeBron had some of those question marks, too, but he was able to do it in a way that, you know, this was his stamp, his staple. And it was and, and like you guys said before, it was relatable for adults with the Game of Thrones concepts. Honestly, that creativity kind of helped make the movie what it was, um, in my opinion, considering the fact that from a storyline perspective, you talk about the journey, following the storyline, how you get the Looney Tunes back together, you know, What's a, that's a good way of doing it with the different universes and the different uh, superheroes uh, combined and getting all that back together. Like it's a good creative way to get the gist of to, to get the story across in a way that was relatable for not just adults, but I mean, not just for kids, but adults as well. And, you know, overall, of course, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a kid's movie. So of course, you, you know, gonna, you know, they're going to look at it in a certain way that we did when we were younger watching Space Jam. But at the end of the day, it accomplished the job it was supposed to accomplish. And it was very well marketed, very well planned, very well promoted from, not, like you said, the merchandise to the ESPN 30 for 30 segments to, <laughs> um, you know, to all, all of those things, right? The shop, like they did a heck of a job with this marketing tool. And it fit today's realm as far as the diversity component, having women involved in it. Um, the yes. topics of discussion that were within the film, teaching components of not just basketball but fatherhood, um, and things and, and, and things of that sort. Like those are Life. that were in some. Some of it was in Space Jam, but it was really magnified in this movie as well. And you got to get tip your hat, hat, hat tip your hat to LeBron for that because you know it's something that's relatable for the generation, even for us when you talk about future realms of potential fatherhood and things of that sort. It was lessons for everybody. And that's what really stood out to me when I watched this film. And you got to remember, this generation of kids, it's the Fortnite generation. Yes. So they're, they're playing video games more than we did. And they're playing video games that are way different than what we did. Um, and when I, I think part of the zaniness and goofiness of this new Looney Tunes uh, Space Jam thing fits perfectly into the, what the Fortnite is. Because I don't get Fortnite. And a lot of I don't a lot of what this movie was felt like Fortnite thrown on the screen, which I know that a lot of kids today love Fortnite. LeBron's in Fortnite now because of the space. Like so, I, I think all of that's got to be considered as well. There's just some things that parents just don't understand, right? The the, the adults just aren't going to get it. Got to let it go. Just enjoy the jokes that are for you. Don Cheadle does a decent job. He makes some, some puns. And there's some, there's a really good troll job. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a really okay. good I can't imagine what it was, but 
That that's sort of kind of what I want to go into. I, I kind of imagine. I think I, I, I think what I think I know what it is, but I'm not gonna say. Either, but Uh-oh. but but I, I think I, I will say I appreciate that he that LeBron and LeBron didn't have to do this because LeBron is a superior actor to Jordan. Jordan didn't have the ambitions to act as LeBron has, but LeBron is is definitely. A better actor than Jordan, but I think this sort of thing bring, brings their legacies together, or sort of melds them in a certain way, where they both have this franchise that they're a part of, and it's one generation speaking to another generation and all that. But uh, you know, with that said, you know, like I said, Jordan, with Jordan, it was just a one and none thing, and with LeBron, we've had previous examples of him acting before like he was he's been in movies like train rep and almost stolen the movie like that was you know, funny yeah he was great in that and <laughs> like what what are your thoughts on him going forward as you know he's a he's definitely a producer and a uh you know a guy who's going to be involved with a lot of film and television projects going forward do you think he you know is probably going to be sticking into film and trying to do other types of leading roles in the future. I don't yeah, I don't I don't know about that one. I feel like he's going to stick <laughs> with behind the scenes TV film projects. I don't think acting is going to he like I definitely could see him being in more movies, right? Kind of like train wreck playing it. Yeah, playing an inflated version of himself, you know. Yeah. I, that's what train wreck was, just playing a, a a character but it's him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I could see that in the future. And we're seeing other athletes do that. I don't know if you guys watch Dave, but Kareem yeah. Abdul-Jabbar is in an episode yeah. of Dave and does a Kareem, Kareem kind of pioneered uh, acting yeah. for a lot of football players. Yeah, like like going back to airplane, he didn't play a ball player. Right. Airplane, but he, you know, yeah. he's yeah, he's he's done. You know, shoot the uh, being with Bruce Lee and Game of Death. Like he, Kareem has done a lot of interesting things as an actor. I could see LeBron kind of doing little little specks of things here and there like that. The shop will continue. Yeah. But, you know, I do think he's going to play for uh, probably four or five more years. I think his biggest goal is to play in the league while his son is in the league. I, I do think that is his, his, his uh, benchmark. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Hey, I'm just throwing this out. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the big three and, and then wrap up, but if you if if you if they were going to do, uh, if they didn't want to wait another twenty years for a Space Jam, and they wanted to do it with a player who was in the league or maybe <laughs> upcoming, who would you want to see that with? Like if they did a Space Jam three in five to ten years, who would you want to see that? With? If they do a who Space would, Jam in in ten years, with the uh, with or within ten years. Oh, Giannis. I now I was going to say that. That's kind, of, that's kind of the easy answer right now. Yeah, Luca, no, Luca and Giannis are like the new big two faces of the league to me, which is wild because they're, you know, they're not American-born players, but they are the two of the – they're in the top five or ten players in the league to me right now. They're going to be that way for the receivable future. They're going to be two of the most marketed players in the next ten years. Definitely, and they're still likable. That, Luca and Giannis are likable. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what makes those act. That's what makes those roles so special, right? Because even in Space Jam, it kind of alluded to Michael's likeness, like his 
actual fun side in a way, how he's able to portray himself in that movie. It kind of helped shape that narrative too. Um, for what he for what he is actually off the court, you know? So that for but we already knew LeBron was like that. He just enhanced it even more in this specific film. Like that's part of Giannis's character, his charisma, his funniness, his um his approachability and just being down to earth and humble, you know, like all of those components make not Giannis, that's who he is. Same with Luca. So putting that in a kid's movie makes ton of sense. Um, now you have to wonder if LeBron's going to be behind the scenes producing that film, depending on what Spring Hill does. Uh, cool. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it just, you know, it definitely depends, but. And it might be both Giannis and Luca in the same movie. Yeah, yeah, he definitely might do that. I mean, he, he yeah, knows how to get it. Be, be a Batman versus Superman type thing. <laughs> <laughs> they both got out their mother's name. Is, uh, yeah, because well, Warner wanted to do Space name. Jam 2. They wanted to do this for a long time. They asked Michael Jordan to do Space Jam 2. Yeah. And he said no. And they tried to shop it around and do a football version and do, do a NASCAR version. And all these people said no. So... And maybe this just re-energizes that property for Duck Warner Brothers. They already flexed the IP, and they get Giannis to do it. Or I, do I'd, like to see, I'd like to see, since they're doing this multiversal thing, I'd like to see Kyrie get involved and, and do, like, a version of uh, the little yellow. What's, what's that? What's that? The, the bus that goes into... Uh, Magic School Bus? Magic School Bus, yeah. with, with <laughs> No, no. Versus a magic school that. bus. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't have Kyrie teaching kids exploring the, the science. You telling me Uncle Drew's going to drive a school bus? Like, come on, man. No, Kyrie doesn't even believe we that the magic school bus can go to outer space. No, nah, he go. He go have the koofy on. He go be exploring <laughs> the universe for the kids, showing them all, all the wonders of the universe. Man, Uncle Drew's going to get in the school bus and put in a cassette tape and play in between the sheets. Like, come on now. Like, <laughs> he's going to be in there trying to prove that there is no center of the earth. Right. He's going to be like the five percent. It's like, oh, everything that exists is within you, God. <laughs> <laughs> Go <laughs> wild. I, the one thing I wanted to say about that movie, I'm I'm not sure who you would have star in it. You've uh, Portlandia had a couple good turns from Damian Lillard and Lamarcus Aldridge. I've heard about um, that. Yeah. Good reference. Yeah, they did a good job in that. I love. They had um, they had a few episodes with it being with Portland being the way it is. Like the Blazers are royalty out there and they had a couple good episodes with with both those guys in it uh but honestly even though you couldn't build the movie around him necessarily unless it was specifically marketed towards the european audience boban marjanovich <laughs> got good reviews from john wick three his english got miles better he's probably oh, yeah. one of the top funniest dudes in the league in general did a great and job and you you got to put him in the movie. He'd be a better Sean Bradley just for his height, but he could also be like the third guy on the marquee, which is wild to think about for a seven foot four guy. You know, with all these remakes, do, do y'all remember the movie My Giant with uh, Billy? With uh, George Mirasan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know who you, who the comic would be, but that that's that's a Bobon movie there. For, if you're gonna do a remake. <laughs> 
Anyway, <laughs> let's, let's, let's start to wrap up, man. I know you got things to do, Brandon, and uh, I, I just want to get you to speak, you know, because this is a basketball show overall, and, you know, the big three is something we've gone into and, and delved into in the past. You had the, the you know, the, the uh, opportunity to travel out to Vegas to uh, and visit with, you know, really see behind the scenes and things going out there. I guess they're just – they're playing, like, in Vegas and New Orleans this year, just uh, two places instead of uh, the wide, you know, touring around the country as they have in the first couple of years. But uh, what, what were your thoughts about, you know, the operation out there and how they're, they're coming back post-pandemic uh, and everything? I'm amazed by the league. I want it to be successful. Um, it's extremely competitive. Um, and I came in not a huge fan of the big three, but like after covering it and watching it, yeah, I get it. And talking to these players, I mean, players I grew up watching, uh, Katino <laughs> Mobley is an amazing dude. Uh, Rashard Lewis, I mean, all kinds of guys, Jared Jack and this, and, and just feeling and hearing their energy and their, their competition level, watching them leave it on the court, the different quirks and rules like this four-point shot and this fireball where you got to go one-on-one ISO with somebody. Like, it's a fun game. And the best part about it, it it's a game that is beyond barriers. You have two outstanding women basketball legends, Lisa Leslie and Nancy Lieberman, yeah, who are yeah. head coaches for two teams the last two champions of the league, women's coaches. If anything, it shows to the NBA, what are y'all doing? Why is it taking y'all so long to let women coach in the NBA, to get a woman's head coach in the NBA? Nancy Lieberman, you may remember, was right there with Becky Hammond in terms of, like, people talk about they could be the first woman NBA coach. Mm. I talked to Nancy. She told me that when she was on the Kings, her mom got sick. So she had to make the tough decision to leave the Kings. And when she did that, she really thought she had all this weight on her shoulders. And she thought, wow, I let women down. I let women's basketball down. I let, I let just, oh, I, I just, you know, this moment to shatter a glass ceiling. I've just completely just dropped it because I, ha- I, I have to leave the game and take care of my mom. And then Ice Cube and the big three called her and gave her this opportunity and first year she coaches, she wins the chip, yeah. and she's running with it. And she's so a lot of these players and these coaches, they are. This is their second chance. This is their opportunity to prove something, to show something, and they're loving it. And I love watching it. So um, I love the big three. I think the league has a lot of promise, and I just hope that people are um, people invest into the product. And you know, as they tour, once they get to tour around again when we're out of this pandemic, that's going to help too. So this is amazing. Somebody uh, put up something on Twitter yesterday about Chris Paul receiving uh, the big three championship next year. And they they had LeBron say, you know, when LeBron got his first time, it was like about time. They said it's going to be Chris Paul. We'll see that that's, big That's three. respectful to Chris. That is respectful. <laughs> I, I laughed though, man. That being said, what a great get that'd be for the big three. Yeah. I mean, look, that might be out of the realm of possibility in the future. Like to have players yeah. of that count. And this no, Carmelo. not 
not necessarily to chase titles, but just to play ball and, and you know, continue to show you. Like, it's, it's meant something for players like Joe Johnson and, and others in, in that league, Rashard Lewis. Like, it, it, it's, it's not a bad way to go. Get you some paper, play, you know, keep your profile up as a ball player. And, and for coaches, too, like, like I say, coaching and opportunities for women and other players who may have been overlooked by the league, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely pro big three. I've been to a couple of the games when they toured here in Chicago, and it's a fun like you say, Brent. It's fun time. It's a it's kid friendly, and um, you know it's it's a for if you a real hoop head, it's a it's a it's a decent diversion from the NBA. You know when the NBA. You know, when they finally get back on the regular schedule, the big three sort of slides right in there for a couple months in the summer. And, and you know, it's a way to, you know, see the game in a different way and, like I say, keep up with players who you may have grew up with, came of age with. And, you know, it's, it's just fun, you know. So it's, it's good that you were able to see that and come away with that. Yeah, it was good, man. It was special for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, we're going to uh, start to wrap up here. You know, great, great show, guys. Really appreciate you. Uh, you know, some good conversation, as always, with, with definitely with B. Pope, who, as, as, as if you don't know, he's not he's not shy with the opinions. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I guess just coming out of, you know, uh, I guess the last thing I'll touch on, because we sort of went on a little earlier, was, the uh, Olympic Games, you know, which are going to start uh, this weekend. I think the first game on Sunday for the men is going to be against uh, France. They got some good news today with uh, with Zach Levine being cleared. He's going to be on the way uh, to Tokyo now, and as well as the players from the finals. You know, a lot has been made of. Uh, them having to get on the, I get maybe I guess get on the same plane like Booker having to deal with being on the same plane with uh, Middleton and, and Drew Holiday, you know, who may be in a different mind state than him coming out of the series. But you know, right quick, you know, what are you guys' thoughts and what, what do you think about you know what are you projecting for the the USA men's team? You know, uh, is it is this going to be a challenging? Run for them in the in in this, these Olympics, or are they going to get it together? Hell yeah, it's going to be challenging. I I don't know if them boys are going to finish higher than third. I honestly don't. Mm. And that might that might sound like a snap decision, but it's just the circumstance. They haven't had a lot of time to play together. The lineups, the roster is shifting. Um, guys are playing even if they are out of COVID protocol. They're still not going to be feeling a hundred percent. They might not be feeling 80% having gone through the past season that started late, stretched out, and came from having come from Orlando. And a lot of other guys, whether they are NBA players who are playing for their uh, countries of representation, or whether they're playing, they played in Europe or China or Japan or Korea, the Philippines, what have you, they have had more time. They, they just have had more time. Uh, the women's basketball team lost to Australia, and that team is light years better in terms of the competition than the men's team, the U.S. women's team. 
So they're not going to have an easy time of it either. So I, I think that the men's team is going to have a dogfight on their hands versus uh, Australia is, is really the main comp. Um, Spain is a lot older than they were. Argentina is a lot older than they were. They, they're still they're running Luis Scola out there. <laughs> Uh, but I, I don't I don't see it happening. I don't see a medal this time. Uh, you can I get you know what? I'm gonna steal a page from 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 Chuck. I guarantee the US <laughs> men's funny. basketball team is not winning a medal this year. There, there Whoa. It is. Whoa, man. Uh, we'll we'll get back. We'll keep that in mind. We got that on record. We'll keep that in mind. But Brandon's gotta step away real quick. We just we're gonna finish up this uh Olympic talk, but thank you again, brother, for coming on. Uh, there's the tag down there, Bpo TV. Uh, uh, any anything quick you want to pitch or let people know that you got coming down the pipe? Uh, check out cw26chicago.com for the Chicago Sky Beyond the Court special. Yeah, um, shout out to you on that too, man. Very well done. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, tune into WCIU for Real Chicagoans, a new show we're launching. And uh, yeah, keep it locked to my IG for interviews and content and laughs and uh, Kanye memes because we're gonna see how that album is on Friday. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll I'll be- see you guys later, y'all. <laughs> All right, man. Tell the guys happy for that Kanye album, and I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, there'll be a lot to talk about. Thank you, brother. <laughs> I'll see y'all. All right, man. Have a good one. All right. Well, it got me in another state of mind now with the Kanye, but but that that I guess some of that little music premiered too on the during the broadcast yesterday. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, yeah, I don't know. That's not the real ourselves. We we about to, we come close to the idiot. But uh, Josh, yeah, well, following up on Chris. Chris say guarantees no medal, man. Are you, are you feeling the same way? I, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far, but Chris is right. It is tougher. This is going to be a tougher road to get to any type of medal this year. From COVID to um, players leaving the finals to go into Tokyo right away, and not, not, not and these players not having enough time to really gel and get together. But on top of that, uh, let's not neglect the fact that international basketball has improved over the years. And this year, you know, has been proven that the talent and competitive level of these of these uh, foreign teams is real. They've improved. They're, 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 they've gotten better, and the and the Euroleague is bet is better um, over time. So we have to give credit to where it's due with those, as well as the fact that you know Team USA just doesn't have the ideal circumstances right now to where you can't guarantee them gold, and you may not even guarantee them silver. But you know. At the end of the day, they I, they think they have they have the talent. Can they eventually put it all together over time to a point where they can at least survive these tough rounds and eventually get themselves in the medal rounds? We'll, we'll see. Um, and I think they have a chance to do that, but it's, it's going to be tough. And you have and it's not going to be just on their end. It's going to be on the competition and it's in the improvement of the competition overall. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have much on the prognostication side for these guys, but you know, it's hard for me to think that they can't get anything. Even that, that you know, that very 
not well not well thought out put together team in 04 got a bronze. And they weren't like I said they weren't put together well, they weren't coached well. I think with Popovich, you're at least gonna be coached well. And the the issue though probably is this team and what they have to offer talent wise and you know matchup wise with some of the better teams you know that are gonna be in the in you know in the tournament. You know, I would think they would at least get a medal. But uh yeah, it's we're the days of you know bullying Angola are over and you know 60, 70 point wins, those days are over, man. So we'll, gone, see, man. we'll see how they deal with it and you know maybe it'll help steal like I like it was real cool to see Zach Levine, you know, asserting himself in those last couple of exhibition games and you know, maybe he'll have it within him to elevate his game and show some more of his game uh, in the in the tournament in Tokyo. You know, I'm, I'm kind of more interested to see, you know, in the absence of a complete disaster, just how these individuals are going to mesh with each other and what type of what type of ball they're going to offer as a unit, but also as individuals and, you know, who's going to show what. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but, you know, I'm, I'm guarding against the worst. But, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's an Olympics they may not even, maybe shouldn't even be having. So we could probably erase it soon as we get, a, you know, as soon as they get back to America. You know, just uh, there's just something they had to do just to show up. And if they didn't, if they don't get the goal, you know, there's there's gonna be a redeemed team. There's never gonna be a redeemed team in twenty four <laughs> to clean up the mess. So that's what it's gonna be. But um yeah, that's that's gonna be it for now, man. This is uh our re uh our recap here for finals recap, uh and you know, went into some other fun places with our man Brandon Pope, uh Chris and Josh. Glad to uh have, glad for you guys to stop. Stop in to make some time for the show. We were, uh, you know, coming to the end of the season, man. This has been a wild season, and you guys, it's been fun, uh, sort of uh, recapping it and, uh, you know, observing it with you guys. So, you know, we just gonna keep on moving with the show. Uh, probably do a couple uh, shows next week, uh, Monday. I know we're gonna have a, another guest. Uh, Brandon actually hooked me up with him. Guy uh, Aaron Johannes uh, from uh, the Oregon uh, is a rising journalist out there, but he's a Milwaukee native, and uh, he's uh, going to be speaking on uh, observing his, you know, seeing in person his Bucks win for the first time in his life, and uh, he, he's I, he was we was talking talk to him about coming on, and, and at, at, I didn't say at first that we could we was going to do the show next week. So he was thinking, he was, I was just like, you know, when are you available? He's like, well, Thursday may be difficult because of the the the, the parade. So he's gonna be at the parade too. So he's gonna be he's gonna be all in the mix there in his hometown, and we're gonna have him on uh, for a Monday show. I'm looking to set up, but uh, after that too, I'm try to. I don't know if we're gonna do like maybe a preview of the draft on Wednesday or. Maybe maybe just do like a a watch party or something. You know, the Bulls ain't in it, so it's not as much 
of a emotional investment, you know, with the draft this year. But it's still going to be pretty interesting, uh, giving uh, you know a lot some of the stuff up top that could be happening. Again, Josh has written about uh, some of that for our Substack page. Uh, you know, maybe some trades may come off that can work in in the Bulls' favor eventually, uh, sort of freeing up Lonzo Ball to to come up here. So uh, we'll you know we'll see how that goes, but it's a lot of interesting stuff going on with the draft in general. We're gonna be keeping up with that as well next week. But uh, I'm looking forward to a couple of weeks off though. So uh, I think after next week that's gonna be the case. So, but in the meantime, we're just gonna keep rocking and uh, keep it bouncing. And uh, you guys got anything else you uh, that's interesting in, in your head that you want to let off any uh, before we head out? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> man, I was, we're all happy for Bobby Portis. Bobby. You know, yeah, I, 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 I think. Yeah, I could spoke more about Bobby, man. That's, Bobby. Yeah. That's, 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 I think Drew had something about it too, which which got me a little upset. There's a, a guy who I know who I interacted with on the Chicago Sky, Sharon uh, Sharon Shabazz, mm-hmm. who was basically like, I don't know what the big deal is with Bobby. Like he was he was kind of mid over here, and I was like, listen, man, <laughs> the, the 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 dude there are, there are guys who are not stars. I didn't say this in this many words, but I was like, he had heart and we liked him. That was it. Bobby was always out yeah. somewhere. People saw him out on the streets. Yeah. Um, you know, he, so who was it? Somebody, I think Mark Spears asked, did he have this much personality? Yep. And Casey yeah. K- Johnson yeah. of all people was like, yeah, it just wasn't as on, it wasn't on display as much or it wasn't as publicized. Yeah, so playing for bad teams. So he wasn't exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but no, nah, we, what we saw last night out of Bobby Portis was only a surprise because it was a closeout, the elimination game of the finals. But Bobby Portis knew this. I think his teammates knew this. Nico Miritich's John knew this was possible. Um, we all knew that that Bobby Portis was capable of what he did. A couple of those fouls weren't even fouls, man. So big ups to Bopo, big ups to Arkansas for for getting that ring. And you know, and come come through the crib, come out to come out to thirty not thirty first, come out to sixty third Street Beach, Bobby. We got you. We we gonna hook you up. <laughs> Bobby know he got love here in Chicago, man. Yes, so yeah, that'd be good. I hope he could come through, come come to another Sky game or something. You know, feel free to stun a little bit, man. You know, he, he should, you know, he, he he should drive by the United Center a little bit and show off his, his show off his jewelry. <laughs> you know, make him want it a little more over there. You know, yeah, but, uh, yeah. You know, but go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure Bob's gonna come around. He 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 even told me he said he loves Chicago. Chicago's his second home. He's here all the time, so I'm not. So I won't be surprised if we see him out in these streets again. Uh, this offseason, step with a little with a, with a little bit of a chip on additional chip on his shoulder, um, considering that he's now a champion. But um, oh, but just overall, like Cam, you let me down, bro. I had faith in you. It's okay, <laughs> it's okay Cam. 
I, I, he's still learning, man. He's still learning. So one day, campaign will have the champagne. One day he will. So he gonna be popping um, sometime, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll figure it. We'll figure that out um, for sure. But I mean, just because basketball, basketball's basketball, right? Yeah, you're gonna take a couple weeks off, have a hiatus, and all that stuff. Um, but you still got draft. You still got free agency. You still got trade and rumors and buzz and all oh, kinds of stuff taking place. Oh, and, and and something really cool that's coming up here: the uh, Dreamville Nike Pro Am. Yes, that's we're gonna be. Yeah, we may be involved in that in in some bit. So I'll I'll keep I'll I'll keep uh I got some I, but I got a connection. That's all I'm gonna say about that. But uh yeah that's. If you go back to the Nike Pro Airs from a few years, yeah, a few years ago, they was having them over at uh, um, Whitney Young, mm-hmm. and um, you know I, I got in a few of those, and I, you know, I really big, give Mike Nike a lot of credit for you know expanding the game here in Chicago and showing love to the communities and stuff. They they really do appreciate you know for no other reason than marketing purposes. They do want to get on the ground here in Chicago and show love to the people and keeping it up, you know, after, you know, pro, you know, post uh, pandemic and still keeping it up with this, this Dreamville thing, which I, is it, I want to learn more about Dreamville's involvement in the two is kind of interesting to me too. Which I know they got one rapper from Chicago in their crew, but you know, it's not much of a Chicago connection, other than that, but you know, uh, you know, Hey, it, we may see Cole around, you know, Cole, he ain't playing with the Africans no more. He may be hooping uh, here in Chicago a little bit this summer. So, you know, who knows? It's still still a lot of fun to be had this summer. And uh, we will be a part of it in, in some way and somehow. So that's what we're giving you here on Running With War. And uh, the guys, of course, you follow their adventures on their tags, uh, Joshua M. Hicks Media, and uh Kwame Kitten. And uh you know you can even follow me at Means Matters on Twitter, K Mean on IG. And uh we just gonna keep it going and keep it moving. And uh, you know, socks are tied up right now. I'm sure, I'm sure yes, sir. Back, Chris. You know, see me in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, we're gonna go check out the rest of that game and uh that's it for now though. Uh I say next week, next Monday we'll be back on there for sure. And uh, maybe do a little draft thing after that. Uh, but for now, keep it. Uh, you know, keep keep a hold of your dreams. Don't give up. You know, Giannis or Giannis is showing you the way. John, I gotta gotta get you on. Gonna <laughs> take some practice. But I'm saying we got a new example, another example of what it means to to you know believe in yourself and uh, not give up. And uh, you definitely appreciate that. That's one of the greatest things about the NBA and sports. You know, you get these new examples of excellence and, you know, ambition, you know, and and, and some of them are purer than others. Some of them are more heart, you know, uh, full of heart than others, you know. And I think this one is very much on that positive side. There's no holes in the Giannis story. Right now, so hopefully that'll remain the case going forward. But uh, yeah, you know, just uh, leave it at that. Hope uh, I say enjoy 
the opening of the Olympics. Hopefully that'll be some spirit and positivity that go along with that and people won't be getting too sick over there or whatnot. But uh, yeah, we'll be back Monday. In the meantime, keep it bouncing.